It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. I hate preaching on money. It bugs me, right? I like how many people get up in the morning and go, woohoo, we're going to go to church to find out about how to work our money. And we know what they're going to say. Give to the church because we need your money and, um, and got to look after you. Or maybe they might give you those prosperity, like give to God and he'll bless you back, right? And so everyone gets excited about financial management. In fact, I preached on it at Katamunda once a year and... Let me tell you, I hated it. In fact, I usually used to pass it off because I saw the faces when you walk in. Like, I'm happy to be at church. On the inside, it's going, oh, no, not money again. He's not talking about money. So I don't like talking about money. It's not fun. Um, It's not exciting for me. So I thought to myself, Mark is the guru on speaking on money. He is the best So he does it every year, so all you have to do is go back to last year's podcast, listen to it, job done, right? Woohoo, I'm out of here, I take my money and I'm out, right, I'm done. But I thought, that's good, I don't need to talk on it, so sorry Mark, but I've decided that I'm going to talk on my favourite subject instead. Is that okay? Sorry about that, but I changed the subject. I'm talk to, my topic today is make the switch. Um, I've changed the subject. I've changed it all because uh, I'd much rather talk to you about. You know, we're living in a society where people are anxious and fearful and worried. Hey, I am. Um, look at what's happening on the news. Mate, we could have a World War Three um, any moment. It's like, oh my goodness. I'd much rather talk to you today about how you're dealing with your anxiety. And out of that anxiety, we know that there's relationships that are breaking up right now in families. Um, I I was hurt the other day when I heard a family wouldn't turn up at a wedding um, because of their their views on vaccinations and they didn't turn up at their child's wedding. And I'm going, oh, there's breakdown in families at the moment. We've got, we have a situation where people need God more than anything else and yet we seem to be moving away from him. And so I'm, I want to preach on that today. I hope you don't mind because I think that's what I should be preaching about. So I hope you're happy with that. Sorry, Mark, you'll probably never ask me back again. And so the topic today to talk about that is finances. Because that's it, isn't it? I get excited about that because this is the first time I can preach as a, as a pastor who's not running a church. I don't need your money. You can keep your money. I don't even care about your money. But I do care about what you do with your finances because your finances are impacting your mental health. Your finances are impacting your relationships. Your finances are impacting your relationship with God. And that's important. That's more important. It ain't the money. It's the heart. And today, when I share about that today, that's, did you know, I I looked at some stats, right? In mental illness today, right? This is, because I'm doing a fair bit of this research on this at the moment. 
And so they talked about this. They said financial stress is one of the keys to mental illness. And it actually says here, here are some of the things. Here are some of the, the common signs when there is financial stress. Listen to this. Arguing with people close to you. My wife and I had a disagreement yesterday on how much we were supposed to be giving to a certain thing. It we causes arguments. Here's another thing. Withdrawing from others. Feelings of guilt spending money on non Essential items, financial stress, feelings of guilt, spending, I did that one, worrying a lot or feeling anxious, difficulties sleeping. I wonder how many of us have lost sleep over finances. I have. Headaches, tiredness, lowered energy, struggling to feed yourself or your family, increased debt from credit cards or loans, receiving legal action for debt recovery. I can't believe how many people lose so much money on legal fees just to try and get an extra few bucks. It seems crazy sometimes. Fear, um, fear of eviction or being behind in rent, Income does not cover expenses. That is the research. Do you know that nearly 50% of people in society are anxious about finances to the place where it's causing a financial stress in their lives? That's pretty, and, and especially, I mean, I went, to the, I went to the petrol station just the other day, right? Now, I, admittedly, I've got a big red Hilux. I love my Hilux. I've got a big red Hilux with a big tank. But no joke, I thought I turned up at the casino and I was in one of those one-armed bandits. I'm just waiting for the three pineapples to come up and hopefully I might win some money. It was going so fast, right? It's, it's like 25% of my weekly income went into my petrol tank the other day. Isn't that crazy? And we wonder about, now, admittedly, that, that will last three or four weeks, so don't panic. But, but it, you, you wonder about that, huh? Uh, and there is a stress on us. So I want to have a chat about that because, you see, as I say, I don't need your tithes. I don't need to build, I don't need you to, to pay my, my mission program or my vision for building. It's got, this is really my heart to you today. Because I do believe that this is a key for us all when it comes to really building that strong relationship. So we've called this the test. And you all love taking tests. So here's the, here's the first test. Are you ready? I'm not very good at tests, okay? It took me four tests to get my license. And even then I cheated. Um, so that's probably why I get lots of speeding fights. But here's the first test. How is your emotions and your mental health in relation to your finances? How are you feeling about your finances right now? Are, are, they, are, are you worried about it? Have you got to the place, and this is interesting because this is generally what happens, have you got to the place where it is so hard you just don't worry about it, you just keep on spending anyway? And then you put yourself into massive debt or you end up on the street or going to a soup kitchen because 
you're more. It's interesting that the people who worry most, uh, people with the least, are usually the ones who are strongly into spending money on drugs, alcohol, and also um, cigarettes, right? Which are the most expensive, and so the government keeps pushing the prices up, which makes it harder, which puts them more in poverty. Which is, it's a cycle. Um, it's an interesting cycle. But I wonder where you are. I wonder if you worry about it. I wonder if your, your finances, and here's the test, do you worry about it? Do you lose sleep about it? Is it impacting your relationships? Is it impacting your relationships with work? Is it rela- impacting your relationships with, with your, um, your spouse? Is it impacting your relationship with your kids? Where are you at? That's the first step. That's the first test for you. The second test is this one. Where are you spending your money? Now, I, I have this theory. I haven't tried it yet, but I have, theory, I have this theory that if you gave me the profit and loss statement for a business or for a not-for-profit or for a church, and don't put their title on the top, don't tell me what they're doing, I reckon I could work it out what they do, what their values are, um, and how their business is going simply by looking at the expenses. Look at the expenses. You can tell a lot about what a business does. You can tell a lot about whether they're a service provider or whether they, they're a retail because you can see where they're pushing their money, what they value. Do they value more with staff or are more valued about buildings? And it can tell a lot. But here's the challenge. If I looked at your bank statement, if I looked at your expenditure over the last month, I wonder what I could tell about you. I wonder if I could work out what you actually like. Well, you spent a lot of money on IT. Mm, this is a lot. If you looked at mine, you'd probably go, wow, Steve spends a lot of money on coffee. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's true. That could tell you that I either just love lots and lots of coffee or I have a lot of cheap friends that make me pay for it. It could tell you a lot, right? But it tells if you looked at your finances, and it's a good thing to do. I have a spreadsheet on my computer, and I can I, everything that we spend goes on my on my spreadsheet. Not the details, but I can tell you where we put money into giving, where we put money into into our um, mortgage, what money we put into here, and you can actually have a look. It tells you a lot about who you are. It tells you a lot about your values. It tells you a lot about where you're going. Test out your expenses. And you will see a lot about who you are. And you might even discover where some of your anxiety and stress is being created. It's an interesting dynamic. Finances are an important part of helping us understand where we're at. But here's here's an interesting test because, you see, in that you will also discover what your worldview is. Do you know that we inherit a worldview? Society says this. It says spend or if you like, live, take your 100% and go and live. Spend it. You've got to buy your groceries, you've got to buy your fuel, you've got to buy your fuel, you've got to buy your fuel, you've got to buy, it's a lot of money in fuel. <laughs> and then we look at what we might give, save, and then we look at what we might give. And most people are pretty low on the savings and the giving. Because the worldview says you've got to live first. So I go and get a pay rise. What do I do? I just get a bigger house. I get a better computer. I get a better telephone. I get a better 
And then I have to increase my insurances. And then I have to increase my outcomes, my outputs, because I'm actually spending more, right? So generally, what we get, we live within what we've got. And usually it's never enough. Because that's what we do. That's the world view. You live or you spend first, and then you save, and then you give. But here's another test. This is a really interesting test. Because you may argue with me, and that's fine, lots of people do. The test is this. Have you tested God? Huh? Put God to the test. You say, you're not allowed to do that. The Bible says, do not test the Lord your God. Right? It says that. There's a scripture about that. And it says it a couple of times. Don't test me. But there's a scripture. It was written by a prophet called Malachi. Malachi wrote this scripture and he was talking to the people saying about what they do with their income and their possessions. And then he gives them this instruction in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. He says, bring all, notice the word bring, not give, but bring all your tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Ah, first thing, bring the tithes, all the tithes, into the storehouse, which was the temple, so there's enough food in the temple. Then it says, if you do, aha, here's the test, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God, through the prophet Malachi, is encouraging, is inviting, is actually challenging you and I to actually put him to the test. In other words, that, take that 10%, right? You get $1,000, that's $100. You give me that $100, you watch how I make that 90% be enough for what you need. Test me, test me. I love this because, see, God owns the cattle on the thousand hills. There's lots of hills out there. There's lots of cattle. And he owns it all. In other words, God has everything. He doesn't need your cash, right? He doesn't need it. But what is he doing here? He's saying, I want to be partners with you. I want to be. So give me your first 10 and you watch me how I make that 90 work for you. That's not a good calculation here. I've got the whole 100. Let me work with the 100%, God, and I'll give you 10% of the answer. No, no, no. Give me the first 10% and we'll work together on the 90. And I'll show you how that 90 can work. And, and that's the test of God. And that's the exciting thing about it. You see, God's worldview is different. Can I tell you a little story? This is an added extra. This is a bonus. You didn't get this on the live. But I was thinking about this yesterday. And I was thinking going through my sermon on the way back from a wedding and I was thinking about it I thought a few years ago my, my father left me some money right um, I love my dad and uh, we come from a big family so it wasn't a lot of money and we we bought a billiard table because I, it was a thousand dollars he gave me and bought a billiard table and uh, and I um, 
our boys used it for all sorts of things, um, and it wasn't used much. So I ended up selling it for more than what I bought it for. And so then what I did was I went out and said, what can I buy that reminds me of my dad? So I went and purchased a spa. Ted Spa, because his name's Ted, right? So I called it Ted Spa. Now, Dad loved family. He loves having conversations. And our spa has become a significant meeting place for me and my sons. We sit in that spa every time they come over and we have a greatest depth, greatest conversations. And every time I do, I go, Dad, you'd be happy with this, right? So I got this spa. And I'm using it in my back garden. Still use it today. Love it. And, uh, and I couldn't get the chemicals right. Right, I just couldn't get the chemicals right. I tried and it, I just couldn't get it right. So I went to my pool man. He said, Steve, there's a guy. He's awesome. He's a, he works with spas. He's not your traditional, but he could make your spa work. So he comes over and has a look at my spa. And uh, it's a second-hand one. And he's having a check in at pool. And I says, Steve, can I tell you something? Your spa has been wired because it's got an American pump or something in it. And it's been wired for the American electrical, whatever it is, right, requirements. He said, if I could shift, this is scary, right, but if I could move just one wire and swap it with another one, I could make your spa work 100% better. You will actually save 50% of your power bill and you will actually notice that it works so much smoother because you see, it was wired for America, it wasn't wired for Australia, and if we switch those wires, you watch it change. And I'm thinking, it's not the red one and the black one, because I've heard about those. He said, no, 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 this is to do with the way it's programmed. And I went, oh, okay, he switched the wires. And you know what? He was dead right. It's changed, it reduced my income, uh, my expenditure on the, on the power, and it's changed it, and it works so much better. And here is the example. You see, sometimes our system has been wired by the world. You see, we have this world view that's been wired by the world. It's on your computer. It tells you you've got to have a better phone. You've got to have a better house. You've got to have this. You've got to have that. And everything has been wired in the way of the world. And God comes along and says, I can make it work better if you trust me to switch the wires. I could switch those wires. You see, before it was wired where we have Live, that's the red one. No. Live, save, spend. Let's switch them around. And you watch how it works so differently. But would you trust me to switch it? To switch it to give, save, spend. What if we switch the wires? We could see God do something exciting. And all of a sudden, he takes our anxiety. Did he not say, worry about nothing? Be anxious about nothing? Didn't he say, why are you worried about what you live? Why are you stressing? Why are you anxious about what you wear and what you... Seek first my kingdom. In other words, seek first relationship with me. Let's partnership with this. You give me first and I'll show you how when we switch the wires, we can turn this around. See, 10%, you might say to me, but Steve, that's an old, that's, that's the old way of thinking. That was the Old Testament. Yeah, the Jewish people gave their 10%. That's not in the New Testament. That's a common argument. It's a common thing. Let me tell you, that's not what Jesus said. Luke, 
One of the disciples said this in chapter 11, verse 52. What sorrows await you, Pharisees? Those are the religious people who are working hard with their religion to get them close to God, right? Working hard on making sure they kept all the rules. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. In other words, you're so worried to make sure you get that 10%. Should it be gross or should it be net? I've got to get exactly the 10%. I've got to work on exactly the 10%. Because if I work on the 10%, I've got to be happy. I've got to work on the 10%. I'm making God happy. I'm getting myself to heaven if I work on the 10%. She says, you are so worried about that. You're so worried about getting it right. You're forgetting something. And this is what it says. But you ignore justice and the love of God. In other words, it's not about the rules. It ain't about getting it right. It's about having a relationship, a heart relationship of justice and love. It comes from that. When you respond to God from a heart that says, God, I just want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to put my anxiety upon you. Because this is what he says. You should tithe. You should tithe. Jesus said this, New Testament, you should tithe. Yes, but don't neglect the more important things. In, in other words, Jesus is saying, tithe, you should. Yes, but make sure we do it with the right heart of justice and love. Because I'm doing this, it's a relational thing, not a duty thing. Did you get that? It's relational, not duty. We're switching the wires. We are saying, God, I'm going to put you first. That's relationship. We're going to do this together, partnership. So I want to take you to a story. Just to wrap this up a little bit, take you to a story in the Scripture. It's right back in Genesis. And it helps explain a little bit of God or the kingdom of God's concept of this whole process of how we give that gets us into a place of being in partnership with God, that releases us of anxiety, that grows, grows us. I, I love it when I see people who have really trusted God in their finances because all they do is tell you about God's sightings. God did this, God did that. It's so exciting to be around those types of people, right? I used to get upset when there were people that would always talk about what God did. And I realised the reason they talk about what God did is because they've been relying upon him. And they're the ones who come up with the stories. I went to the petrol station, had no money, and all of a sudden a guy comes in and pays my, my, my petrol. Oh, God did that. Why? Because I've been learning to trust on him. So it's exciting. So anyway, this is the story. I, I, digress, I digress. The story is this in Genesis. Remember, there is no, no Ten Commandments yet. There's no rules. There's no Leviticus. There's none of that. God's made the world. He's made Adam and Eve. Woohoo! Right, they've, gone, they've been in the garden. They've got kicked out of the garden. Now they've been told to actually cultivate or to grow, um, grow in the world, to look after the world. So they're outside of the garden now. They get busy and they have a whole bunch of kids. No one's taught them yet the whole Ten Commandments, right? No one's taught them about what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. No one's had a great sermon yet by Mark Pomery on telling you how to use your finances. They don't know that yet, right? 
They're in the garden. Their name's Cain and Abel, two sons of Adam and Eve. And we picked it up in Genesis 4, verse 3. And it says, and listen to the words. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour at Abel and his offering. But on Cain, his offering, he did not look with favour. Favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Have you seen someone struggling with a downcast face and is struggling with relationships with anger? Mm, that's interesting. So then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Why are you anxious, Cain? Why are you breaking relationships because you've got a bad attitude? And he says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But, whoa, what happened there? But, go back again. But you must rule over it. Let me quickly do a story here, right? Here's Canaan. Remember, this is Stone Age. So they didn't have nice little paddocks that were all, this is Stone Age, right? And so you've got Cain over here. And Cain, he says he had first fruit. What did he have? He didn't have a plough. He didn't put a nice little heap of wheat down. It was probably just looking after some of the trees and stuff in the place. And he was getting all the fruit off and he was giving it for the family and he was getting all the, the probably had some vegetables they discovered how to grow. And he's getting all that. And then it says, hmm. And then in the course of time, in other words, oh, yeah. Do you know what? We should give something to God in the course of time. It wasn't a set time. It was some time in one um, um, translation. Some time. He decided, oh, you know what? Gee whiz, we should give some of this to God. And so he gave some. There was no defined amount. He said, oh, that, that will do. That will just give, we'll give that to God. I'm giving you an offering. Well, we've got to give God an offering. Let's give him some. It's a bit like taking up the offering on Sunday. And, and over here, we've got Abel. Abel, he's looking after the sheep. Interesting, they were the ones that were sacrificed, probably wearing his, his sheep clothing. And he's looking after the sheep. The sheep start to have babies. Woohoo! And what does he do? It says he takes the first one. Mate, if I was to give you my first. I'm thinking of you first rather than me, right? If I give you my first, I've got you on my focus, not me. And he takes the first, the first little lamb or whatever it was, he takes the first fruit and he brings it to God. Do you see the difference in the heart here? You see, one says, oh yeah, we better give something to God because that's the right thing to do. One here says, I want to give God my first and my best. May I give him my first and my best? But what about if the others don't give babies? What if the others, you see, remember with a crop, it all grows at once. And you can actually see what the crop's going to do. When it comes to, to animals, they sort of pop them out when they're ready. And I don't know when they're going to come. And I don't know what they're going to look like. And I don't know if they'll be fat or deformed or if they're going to be any good. But I'm going to give God my first because I'm going to trust him with the rest. You see, when you give God your best, 
He looks after the rest. And that was the heart of God. But did you hear what the Lord says to Cain? He says, Cain, why are you so angry? Did I not say beforehand when we're under financial stress, what do we do? We start to argue. We start to get jealous. We start to have this anger builds up inside us of the church. Always asking me for money. We get, we get critical of others. You see, as this sickness starts to dwell up inside us when finances become the focus. And then it says, and why are, and, and in anger it breaks relationships. And also you're downcast. It's a sign of depression. It's a sign of anxiety. So you're worried about it. Didn't say that to Abel. And then he said, but sin is crouching at your door. When finances become my focus, sin is there because that's where greed comes in. That's where covetousness comes in. That's where, where, where rights, my right comes in. That's where I become the focus. It's crouching at my door. But you see, the way to get rid of it is to have the heart of Abel who says, God, I'll give you my best and I'll give you my first I want to encourage you today. I want you to put God to the test. I want you to, to think, maybe I'm going to switch my wires and I'm going to give God first. I'm going to give to God first and I'm going to trust him with the rest. I'm going to go give, then I'm going to go save and then I'm going to live on this. And you'll be surprised what you can do and what you'll do with God. You give God your best. He looks after the rest because he invites us to do the test. Bless you. I'm going to just drop the, the last point of this message. So the message hasn't finished. So don't be thinking too much about coffee yet. It's worth waiting for though. I've had some. Uh, when we zoom out and, and we've done this, well, in fact, we didn't do this. I got a smart friend of mine to do it years ago, Dr. Mike O'Neill. He zoomed out on our behalf to really ask the question, if you were to summarise the entire Bible's perspective on giving, what would you say that is? Like summarise it in one sentence. I mean, you know, it's not like we ask him to do anything difficult or anything. And he came up with a statement that we've adopted and we teach this, and some of you have heard this, I know, but if you haven't, this is news, and if you have, let me remind you. We, we take from Mike, Dr. Mike O'Neill's lead that the big idea, if we could boil it down to one sentence around this idea of giving, is that the first 10%, listen carefully, the first 10% is both a goal and a minimum, all right? So here's, because here's the thing. When Steve's talking, teaching today about first 10%, first 10%, if you're at zero, like if you've not yet started your giving journey, 10%'s like all the way over there. Let's 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 just hypothetically say it's here. And that can look like several steps away. And to be sitting and thinking, um, uh, uh, um, I can't do that in one step, that's actually really normal. And not only normal, it's kind of like, yeah, because it has everything to do with faith and capacity. And so that's why this idea that Dr. Mark O'Neill, we borrowed from him, that first 10% is both a goal and a minimum. I'm going to talk about the minimum at the moment. Let's just look at it, the halfway point as a goal. And what we teach and what we recommend and what many of you have done, because I know some of your stories when it comes to this, is take a next step. 
and your next step might not be 10%. Because 10% is like, uh, and, and you're concerned that the, the bridge is going to collapse and you're going to be drowning without the money. So this is what we very, very unapologetically teach, recommend, and many of you have done this, is take wherever you're at. Now, if you're at zero, your next step might be 1%. And, and God, you're still testing God because you weren't giving 1% previously. And now you're like, um, okay, is this shaky ground? I wonder if I'm going to have enough. I want, and, and then let your faith and your capacity be built up to where 1% is like, eh, that was easy. it wasn't so hard. It wasn't so, and, and, and then in due course, Maybe take another step, 2%, or you maybe get wild and crazy and go from one to three. Whatever it is, it's a journey. And again, I know many of you have done this and you've just tested God at one and you've tested God at three and you've tested God at five and you've set yourself this goal of first 10% being both a goal and a minimum. I love that because that's about the journey. That's what Jesus said, come follow me. This is about the journey. So we don't track this. We don't publish this. We don't give t-shirts out. So you have to self-identify. I'm a three percenter. And then this section over here, they've got the five percent t-shirts and the front row, they're all the 20 percent. No, it's, this is because it's actually about you and God. That's what it comes down to. Him saying, test me. And uh, yeah, so this is, this is from today. And, and by the way, we would normally teach this series like mid-year, tax time, not tax time. That's got nothing to do with anything. Um, I, I really felt just to bring it forward because early in this year, 2022, this is another area that we can take new ground in our lives and experience the joy and the freedom that, that comes with that. And so we bumped it in, into March, which we don't normally do. And, uh, you know, we even talking about this with our team members this morning. And some of them said, you know, that was our journey. We went from zero and now we're up to 10 and, and, and continuing going. And, and I'm quoting them. They said, best decision we've ever made with our finances. Fantastic. Great. So that's my strong encouragement. Wherever you are between zero and 10 or maybe even more, think about early in 2022, is it like your time to take a next step? Whatever that looks like. Test God. And... Uh, See what he does. We really hope you've got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.